Now, this morning, I want to invite you to come with me on a short trip. And we're going to go by way of imagination. It's quicker and cheaper that way. But we're going to be back in the first century A.D. And we meet up with a man called Simon Barjona, which is translated Simon, son of John. He and his brother Andrew were Galilean fishermen, and they became close disciples of Jesus Christ while he was on the earth. Now, Jesus gave Simon the name Peter, which comes from, comes from the Greek word Petros, and means rock. Peter became Jesus' lead disciples while he was with him and basically traveled with Jesus and the other disciples for about three years. And Peter grew very close to Jesus. He listened to his teachings that were just like, like no other person had ever taught, and his great wisdom, and he witnessed many of his miracles firsthand. He saw him, he experienced where, where Jesus would shut down the religious leaders as they tried to trap him in his words. He experienced Jesus' undeniable love and concern for those who were hurting and needy and searching. He became convinced that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and the very Son of God in the flesh. And then one day, Peter, along with two other disciples, James and John, was greatly privileged to witness <clears throat> on a mountain Jesus himself being totally transfigured into this powerful, amazing, shockingly bright, glorious being. Along with the booming voice of God the Father saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him which made all three disciples fall flat on their face and faint. And then, as we go on, eventually, Peter saw Jesus arrested, beaten, crucified on a cross. But then, also, he saw him as he had risen from the dead, or after he had risen from the dead, and then spent days with him, and saw him taken up from the earth to go back to his father to tell his, and telling his disciples that they would carry on his mission. And so now, Peter has this mission to tell others about Jesus the Savior, the one that he knew personally and spent years with. And Jesus told his apostles, You are my witnesses, and spread the message of forgiveness Forgiveness of sins to all the world and make disciples of all nations. So now we have been reading through Peter's second epistle to some churches in what was called at that time Asia Minor. If you look on a map in the back of your Bible, but today it's more like modern Turkey. And he's been warning these churches of certain people coming in trying to convince them, convince them that this Jesus stuff that they're all talking about really isn't true. It isn't like they're saying. He's not coming back. 
If he was, why hasn't he come back yet? And, in fact, nothing has changed since the beginning of creation. Everything just goes on the same. So what is it with this Jesus message? So now, just think of this. <clears throat> Peter lived with Jesus for three years. He has heard and seen things from Jesus himself that would blow our minds if we were to be there and witness the same things. And Peter traveled with him, ate with him, listened to him, watched him, touched his glorified body after he rose from the dead. Yet here come these people into the church telling these people basically that Peter doesn't really know what he's talking about, about Jesus. These know-nothings coming into the church and trying to say, that isn't true. I think we can guess who it really is who doesn't know what they're talking about. And how might you feel if you were Peter, having had all that first-hand experience, and you're pouring your time and your energy into needy people, helping them find the way to eternal life through Jesus Christ, while these self-centered people who really know nothing and just are selfish and just trying to uh, gain followings for themselves, and they're telling your people that you don't know what you're talking about about Jesus. But they who never saw him, never heard him, never experienced what Peter experienced, are now coming in as if they know what it really is all about. And Peter says, they're just trying to take advantage of you. And then, <clears throat> we know also that this same kind of thing happens in our day, doesn't it? I mean, you have people making these bold statements about what God really wants and what God really likes. And they have no clue as to what the Bible says, or if they do, they take it and use it in a different way. But here's the deal now. Peter says these people who say, say that nothing has changed since the beginning of creation, he says, and this is what we've seen already, they're forgetting this little thing called the worldwide flood that destroyed the whole earth at the time and wiped out civilization. And Peter says that that flood that God brought upon the earth as judgment came from the same waters that God created by the power of his word. He spoke them into existence and he separated the waters above from the waters below and put the sky in between. And Peter also says that that same powerful word from God that created the world and separated the waters and flooded the earth in judgment, he said, that is being reserved right now. That word is reserving right now the present heavens and the present earth for a future judgment that will be not by water, but by fire. And it will be a judgment of God against the ungodly. So, in 2 Peter chapter 3, we will be verse 7 to start out with. It kind of summarizes what we said. 
Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, Peter says, By the same word, that powerful word that created the world, that separated the waters, that caused the flood, by that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. And then go down to verse 10, which we looked at last time. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Meaning, you know, thieves come when unannounced, right? They don't come when you're ready for them. They'll come like a thief when people aren't ready. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it the works of humankind will be laid bare. <clears throat> so you see, this is what's really going to happen. And these people that come in and give their view, they don't know what's going to happen. They're just saying whatever gets them a following, whatever gets them an advantage, whatever gets maybe money from people. It's people who have ulterior motives. People who are not in, hemmed in by truth or by honesty. And they just make it up as they go. And whatever it takes to get what they want, like telling these first century Christians that the Apostle Peter really doesn't know what he's talking about when he talks about Jesus. After he experienced three years being with Jesus, listening to Jesus, spent all of his days with him, they will just say anything in order to get what they want. But now Peter is going to tell us, as followers of Jesus, what we should do in light of the fact that this judgment of God is coming upon the earth with fire. So <clears throat> let's start here at verse 10 again, and we'll go through verse 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. So the same uh, that we heard before in other verses. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. <clears throat> God created the earth, the heavens and the earth, and everything in them. And he created mankind in his image, and he told them to rule the earth for him in his stead. He gave them charge over the earth and over the animals and over the, the creation. But we know that mankind disobeyed God. They fell into sin, which brought a curse upon the earth and all of creation, including humanity. So God promised that he would send a redeemer to pay the price to free us from the slavery of our sins. And then we know that Christ came to redeem all who turn to him for salvation. And we know that all who do turn to Christ 
and repentance and forgiveness for forgiveness of sins will escape the coming judgment. Because one day, known only by God, God will judge his creation by fire. Verse 10 again. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And then as we looked at, he says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? He's saying in light of the fact that this earth is heading toward destruction, how should we act? How should we live? What things should we involve ourselves in? Now, here's where Christians in the past, over the past decades, have been criticized heavily by those outside the church. They say that because we believe that God is going to destroy the earth, then we really don't care about the earth. Since it's going to be destroyed, they say that leads to not caring. And we don't care if the earth gets trashed. We're not worried about the earth. It's going to go... You know, God's going to destroy it anyway. And those that don't believe the Bible and don't, have not put their faith in Christ, this earth is all they have. And so they've been critical of Christians for believing this kind. But is Peter saying that it's okay to trash the earth? Well, let's keep going. Oh, let's, let's look at that first. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? So here's Peter giving us the answer right now. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. He doesn't say, go ahead and trash the earth since I'm going to destroy it anyway, does he? In fact, he says, live holy and and godly lives. That means draw close to God. Please God with your lives. He doesn't say don't care about the earth. Holy lives is where we separate ourselves from sin and move closer to God in the things that we do, the way we talk, <clears throat> the way we treat people the things that we put our minds to, what we read, what we watch, you know, set apart for God. And then he said, live godly lives, honoring God, uh, worshiping God, serving Him. It's not really a call to trash the earth, is it? And Peter says, as you look forward to the day of God, the day of God is when God comes back and reclaims the earth because mankind came and sinned and Satan kind of became the ruler of the, of the air, of the powers of the air. And now the day of God is when he comes back and he takes possession of his, what's rightly his. Because as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So... Peter is saying that we live our Christian lives today in light of Christ's return. And he said earlier that some people count the, the long wait for, for Christ to come back 
as God being slow, but he says, no, God is being patient, and he's allowing more time for people to come to trust his son, to have their sins forgiven. But Christ's return will be the time that God reclaims his creation and he sets his king on the throne over the whole earth. Been many kings, many kingdoms throughout, you know, the history of time. But when God comes, he's going to destroy all the kingdoms that are against him and he's going to set his king on the throne in Jerusalem and he will rule over the earth. But as much as God looks forward to coming and reclaiming his, what's his, he also is patient because he wants people to turn to him and have their sins forgiven. And then, again, Peter says, that day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. And then we have the best news that we already saw a minute ago. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. In the Old Testament, we have prophecies about a new heaven and a new earth. In the book of Romans, it says that one day creation itself, the heavens and the earth, will be set free from the bondage to decay. Romans chapter 8 says, Those who have the Spirit of God, we groan inwardly because we, were so, we want so badly to see the redemption of our bodies, the full redemption of our bodies, when Christ comes back and we're changed into glorious bodies that are fit for eternity, designed for eternity. And I want you to, Watch as I read a few verses from Revelation chapter 21. We won't be staying here, but we'll just read five verses. This is the Apostle John when he's on the Isle of Patmos. And he has these visions that God wants him to record. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And that sea, there's difference of opinion over that sea, but the sea often referred to chaotic destruction that would, that would endanger people. And so many think that he's talking about there's no more threat. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now think of this, what John saw, because when you go to a wedding, what is the highlight moment of the whole wedding? It's when the, all the music stops, everybody stands up, and here comes the bride, beautifully dressed, and every eye is upon the bride. And just think, when the holy city comes down, it's going to be like that. He's just going to come down from heaven. It's going to land upon Jerusalem. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And Jesus is the husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. 
and be their God. And all through the history of mankind, God had, you know, made, he had made conditions where he would dwell with man and wanted to dwell with man. That, that is his desire, is to dwell among humanity. And now it's going to happen for eternity. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or war or cheating. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. You know, we could go on and on about the new heavens and the new earth. The Bible has a lot to say about it, especially the new, the new earth. But let me just say these few things. The new heavens and the new earth will have eternal joy, fulfillment, and righteousness. Because everything will be set right. There will be no deceit. No cheating, you know, nothing to throw us off track. Everything will be just right, and Christ will reign. And because of that cleansing fire of judgment that will come upon the earth, that new earth will be completely clean, pristine, life-enhancing. We will have new bodies designed for eternity. There no longer will be any hatred or deceit or mistreatment, or abuse, or cheating, or selfishness, or jealousy, and many more things. They'll all be gone on the new earth. There will no longer be a curse on the earth that we've had to live with since Adam and Eve left the garden. Crops will grow in abundance. There will be nothing but clean air and clean water, rivers, streams, Glorious mountains, we see those already, but it'll even be better. Animals will not be dangerous. I'm guessing there's not going to be any more masks, need to wear masks, right? No pandemics, no corrupt governments. Basically, everything that sin has caused will be eradicated. And we could go into even a lot more about who we're going to see and what people we're going to be reunited with and people we're going to meet, maybe in our family that were Christians before we never got to meet. And we'll never have to lose anybody else to death anymore. And we will get to see Jesus and the throne of God. So the day of the Lord will be a frightening event for those who would not come to Christ for forgiveness. But when the dust clears, we will see life like we've never seen it before, like it was meant to be at the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and put mankind there to rule. So now, look at verses uh, from chapter 3 again, 2 Peter, verses thirteen, no, 14 through 16. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. We're still not told to to trash the earth, are we? 
Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with you, also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Peter says that he and Paul both write about the patience and love of God holding back the return of Christ so that more can be saved, more can turn to him for forgiveness. And this shows us that this message is truly from God because Peter's preaching the same thing that Paul is, and they're at different places talking to different people, but the message comes from God. God inspires them both with this information. So the message is clear here, Peter's saying. In light of this glorious future that we are looking forward to, a future beyond anything we've ever experienced in our whole lifetimes, Peter says we should make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. That's spotless and blameless is kind of a picture of a, 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 an animal being sacrificed. You know, you, you pick the spotless and the one that has no uh, blemishes or anything. And we should be devoting our lives in living for God. And, you know, we get distracted down here with all the things that we're dealing with, but our minds should be heavily on what's coming. Because we certainly don't want to risk missing out on anything that God has for us. And that means in thankfulness for what God has done for us and what he has in store for us. We should spend our time here doing all things to please him. Spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we're Christians, we're at war with God, really. And when we come to Christ, he gives us that peace between us and God because now we're on his side. And he wants us to be holy sacrifices so that we move away from sin and allow God to refine us. And he says here that there are some who are distorting Paul's words. And they're going around, they're saying things. He says they do it to their own destruction because, you know, they're, they're going against the word of God. And it just shows us that all the way through, there are people who are going to try to distort the word of God, and they have ulterior motives. And we can see that in every age. Their intentions are harmful and selfish, and it's good for us to be aware, as Peter warns his people, so that we are not upended if it happens to us. And you know, we do have things of this sort happening to us today, as it happens in every age. We have people today pushing certain views that are directly opposed to the Bible. And you know, that's just the way they think. They don't know, they don't know God, they don't know Christ. But sometimes they'll take statements from the Bible, like love your neighbor, care for the oppressed, 
But then they reinterpret other statements from the Bible to fit today's popular values. They, they take <clears throat> what we're, we're supposed to do is keep our minds in the Scriptures and let the Scriptures form our thinking. But what they do is they take a verse out of the Scriptures and put it into their sometimes anti-God thinking or selfish thinking. You know, they reinterpret the Scriptures to uh, fit today's popular values in things such as sexual standards and sexual identity and marriage. And they promote self-love because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. How can you love others unless you love yourself first and find out what it means? Find out what it feels like. Of course, that's not what the Bible's saying, but it kind of fits today's, today's values and today's thinking. They will teach finding answers to life by looking inside yourself, looking deep inside yourself to find the truth. And they may even promote leaving your marriage if you accidentally find your soulmate somewhere else because you follow your heart. And they may hold up as top priority social justice or what they describe as social justice. And they may even want us to kneel down and declare our white supremacy. But see, there's all kinds of things that are going on in our society and in all societies that are going against the Scriptures. But here's what Peter says about encountering views that do not agree with God's truth. Our last two verses. Therefore, dear, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where so many Christians run into so much trouble. And this is where so many Christian lives suffer so many unnecessary problems and disasters and needless heartaches and losses. Because, you know, we have the world's teachings just flooding in on us. The current standards, everywhere we turn, we have these standards that are not with the Bible, not with the Scriptures, coming at us in so many different avenues. You know, life was a lot simpler some decades ago, but now we have everything in our faces from every kind of screen there is and every kind of advertisement there is. And a lot of it is hurtful information, arguments launched at us with, you know, through different means. But, you know, we can make it through this battle. Peter is forewarning us, he says. We can make it through this attack from Satan, the prince and power of the air. And from our world, if we allow the Spirit of God, it takes extra effort, but if we allow the Spirit of God <clears throat> to guide us and teach us through the Word of God, through the encouragement of other Christians, having the Word flowing through our being, 
being taught by the scriptures, by doing good works for others, by being helpful and setting our mind on the right things. And that way we can see what is truly good and what is just dressed up to look like good. So let me end by <clears throat> excuse me, repeating our last two verses. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position in Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So instead of being pulled away, pulled back, keep going forward. Grow Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more and more and more and get closer and closer. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, for Your Word, we thank You for how much it teaches us, how thorough it is, how it comes to us in so many different ways, just within the the realm of the Bible, through stories, through commands, through uh, visions from prophets. Father, we thank you that you've helped us and you've given us the truth. And Lord, you talked about speeding your coming, and that's just us getting involved in good works and sharing the gospel and showing your light so that more people can come to you. So, Father, help us guide our hearts, uh, protect our minds, help us to make right choices, and help us to be spotless and blameless as we wait for the day, your day to come, where you will right everything and defeat all enemies. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>